And uh, we are going to carry on. I started last week a series in the tr- on the Trinity. Uh, I've titled the series Practicing Trinity because I want us not to just learn some, some dry facts about how three persons as the Godhead works, but we, we want to learn really what, how that impacts our lives and how that transforms and changes us. Um, I, we were having lunch with um, some friends down our road who go to the Baptist church yesterday, and, and he said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, oh, I started a series on the Trinity, and he went, oh my goodness, that's heavy. And um, I said, well, I hope not. I hope it isn't heavy, but I hope it's, it's helpful and, and, you know, uh, something that impacts our lives. So if you don't know what I'm talking about with, um, when I'm talking about Trinity, the Trinity is <clears throat> probably the key, or one of the key doctrines of the Christian church. And um, if you go to any um, Catholic church or an Orthodox church or... Um, Mainline Protestant churches, the CV, Baptists, Methodists, um, you, you know, I could go out Pentecostals, uh, Charismatics, you know, whoever they are. Um, the thing that we all agree on is that God is one God in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And it's a funny thing because we all agree on this thing, but I very much doubt whether many people in the congregation will understand the thing that we agree on, because it's such a uh, mind-blowing thing that God is one God in three persons. So um, I said last week, I'm not going to try and explain this mystery because I don't think it can be really fully explained. We can, we can explain it, but I, I, I'm, I'm not going to try and really go into that too much. But I, I, what I want to do is explore our God as Trinity. And so last week I, I said, that, um, I started with the... Uh, a phrase which I nicked from somebody else, which was, in the beginning, was the relationship. Okay, meaning that God is three persons, and before he created anything, he was a relational God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, nothing um, existed before God. God was there in the beginning, and he was there as a relationship. And actually, then, everything in creation, you will notice... Never, nothing stands alone. There is nothing in creation that stands alone. Everything else is in relation to something else. So whether it's the Earth and the Moon, or the galaxies, or <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and then actually a big part of salvation is that it brings us back into relationship. Um, we are no longer alone, but we are brought into a family. And and so today I want to dig a little bit deeper into that relationship. Um, Thing and look a little bit more closely at the relationships in, in, within the Trinity, and particularly looking at God as Father. Now, um, I've always been—I've uh, always enjoyed having children around me. Um, when I was in my, our previous church, even when as a young uh, sort of a young man, I enjoyed having messing around with the little kids. Maybe it's just because I've never really wanted to grow up, but I enjoy, you know, doing kuchiku with the little children and playing games. In fact, when we first came here, Josh and Dan who are big, or, well then, they look like men now, but when, they, when I first arrived, they weren't looking like men, and they, I, used to, I remember going around to Keith and Margaret's house and playing trains with them on the floor, and it was just like, this is great, I love this, you know. I've always enjoyed children, um, and, and as a teacher, I, I taught uh, teenagers, and, and seemed, enjoyed it, strangely, and, um, and also taught uh, children of sort of more middle school age, so I've always enjoyed that. Um, I've, I've uh, done bands um, here and enjoy just 
interacting with kids, isn't it? They're great fun. You're, you're all right, all right? We're not bad. Not bad. That's um, all right. And, um, and so I've, I felt as though I have a good rapport with children, I have a good understanding of children. And then you might think that then it was then, therefore it follows that, okay, with children, wouldn't, it should be reasonably easy to be a father. Have your own children, you know. Um, you'd think I would know what I was doing, but I realised that it's not necessarily the case. There's a big difference about being good with children and being a dad. All right? Those two things are almost completely different things. I mean, they're not completely different, but they are. Um, we become parents, and when we become parents, we become parents for the first time. <laughs> and there, there's no experience before that. And, and nobody gives you a, a handbook to say, this is what you do now. Although there are many books written out there, but I, I don't know whether I trust many of them. But, you know, you, you kind of, there's no uh, sort of probation period as if to say, like, you know, you know when you're riding your bike, you have your stabilisers, and you, you can, once you get good at that, you can take the stabilisers. None of that. You know, you go from being not being a dad to being a dad, and then you expect to know what you're doing. And it's a little bit scary. Um, I can remember, I've talked to Daniel about this, and Daniel, you said something like, well, we, when they said it's time to leave the hospital, it was like Daniel kind of sensed, there's like, no, no, this is not right. <laughs> this, this, this shouldn't be legal, you know, almost. This is not, this is not um, what should happen. How do I know what I'm doing? Um, and, well, you, and you could say, well, maybe surely you watched your father be a father, and so you just copy what you're father did and, and okay to a certain extent but I also watched my father drive a car and then when I got behind the wheel I suddenly realised that wasn't particularly easy just you know by you know it's it's not quite as simple as that is it you know yeah. so you're probably thinking yeah driving's easy dad makes it look so easy and then you try it yourself and exactly push the pedal and steer just like being a dad and um, so we have to learn how to be a dad if you're a dad you will know that if you're a mum you'll know that um there's many things like that, and we, and none of us get it completely right, do we? We all make mistakes all along the way, and and some of us have had amazing fathers, uh, and and we've learned a lot from them. Some of us had not so amazing amazing fathers. Some of us have had absent fathers for one reason or another, and and often our view of God as father is is shaped by all of this. Our experience of either being a father or our father, our earthly father that is, because Jesus says God is our father. So, okay, I think I know what that means because I've got a dad or I am a dad and so therefore I know what God is like. We seem to process things. But I want us to look at it from the other way around, okay? I want to look at it from, always good to look at things from God's perspective if we can. So we'll go back to the beginning. And before creation, um, there's God. And God is three persons. He's an us. We looked at that last week in Genesis chapter 1. God calls himself us right in the beginning. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And so in the beginning there was relationship. And one part of that relationship was Father and Son. So in the beginning, in God's inner relationship, there's a family. And I'm going to have one verse today. If you want to turn to a verse. I know some of you like to turn to a verse when we're, we're doing this. So it's John chapter 17. And while you're turning there, I'll just give you the, sort of the background. This is um, Jesus' prayer um, uh, for, the, for the disciples uh, just really before the, the Easter story starts to really unfold and the, and the, the crucifixion 
and all of that is, is just around the corner really in, in, the, in the story here. So Jesus is praying for his disciples before he leaves them effectively. And in verse 24 of chapter 17, he prays this. Father, so he's praying to God as Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. So notice this. God the Father loved God the Son before the creation of the world. And here's the thing I want us to try and grasp today. God has been Father eternally and forever. Forever and ever, ever. He's always been Father. Okay, not like me when in 2006, on the 12th of April, I became a father. That was Ella's, when Ella was born. And then I started scratching my head thinking, what do I do now? Not like that. Eternally, forever, God has always been father. Always been father. So unlike me and unlike us, he's never been a novice. He's never thought, hmm, how do I do this? He's never thought to himself, hmm... The sun's playing up today, because the sun never played up anyway. How do I deal with this? But he always has been father loving, as it says here, love from the, before the creation of the world. He's always been um, giving life and, and affirming and, and loving the sun eternally, always. And before... And here's the other thing then to go on from that. Before God was creator and before God was ruler of the universe, he was father. Okay? Now let that sink in for a bit because that's an amazing thing. Because I think most people in the world or most religions of the world would, would tend to see God as creator and, or ruler first. Even if they do have an idea that God is Father. But we would say that God, because of Trinity, God has always been Father before even any of this stuff existed. And um, he, he's Father before he is creator and before he is ruler. Now if he was first a creator, then a father, we would have a God who we would be more thankful towards. You know, God has created everything. Wow, I'm really thankful for the stuff that God's created. Do you see? Or if God was a, a ruler first, we would have a God we'd probably be more fearful of because God is in charge, so I better behave myself and I better do what I'm told and I'm a little bit scared of that God because he's in charge. But before he was creator and before he was ruler, he is those things, but before he was those things, he is father first and foremost. <coughs> Eternally father. And so everything he does is fatherly. He creates and gives life as a life-giving father. He rules as a life-giving father. He is not a father like a creator. And here's the important one. He does not father like a ruler. But he rules his creation as a kind and loving father. Now, some of you are looking a bit confused, but there's a big difference. Because if I am a father who is first and foremost a ruler, just imagine that in the household. I come in and everything I do is about rules. Uh, everything is, you've got to do what I say, and you've got to, to and you, what's my children going to be like? They're going to be a little bit scared, particularly if I'm strong and, and powerful and almighty, like God is. The kids are going to be frightened of me, right? 
if that's how I am a father. But if I rule like a father rather than I'm a father like a ruler, then I first and foremost love. And I first and foremost care. And I first and foremost affirm. And I first and foremost want my children to know that they are secure here. And when I'm strict, they will know that it is because I'm a father and I have the best interests at heart for them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think we've got to have that, the, the order right with God, because if we see him as ruler first and father second, we've got a nasty, not a nasty, but we've got a, a harsh God, let's say. Not, nasty is the wrong word. But if we know that he is father first, which he is, everything he does comes from a place of love and affirmation and uh, goodness. So let that truth sink in. He does not father like a ruler, like many of us earthly parents do, unfortunately, because at the end of the day, we just want to try and get (laughs) things in order. But he rules as a loving father, and there's a big difference. And so we come back to this verse. God, the Father, loved the Son before the creation of the world. Now, what else can we learn from that? Because that's just a, I don't know about you, but that's a powerful thing. To, get, to have that re- understanding of who God is, is, is a powerful thing. But we, we can go more beyond that, I think. What else do we get from the idea that God loved the Son before the creation of the world? We get this, that God's love for the Son is not a reaction. It's not a response to something he's created. It's not something that has been done for him that causes his love, but it is just he's loved from the beginning for no reason other than he loves. And so, again, and we come into human relationships, you know, we had lunch again with some friends yesterday and I could say, well, I really love these people because they make good food. I could say, you know, there may be some people here in particular who bring particularly good food to feast. I don't know just how this works for me. And um, I might say, well, I just, you know, Dee's amazing. I love her so much because of her tuna pasta that she brings, you know? I could say that. But then if she doesn't bring her tuna pasta next time and only brings dry bread... I might think, well, I don't love Dee so much now. And my love will be based on what she's brought for me. Okay? But if I just say, I love Dee, why? Well, just because I do. That's not going to change. Yeah? Do you see the, the difference? And that's how God is, because always, right from the beginning, God has loved the Son. Why? Because God has loved the Son. Yeah, but why? Because God has loved the Son. Yeah. Why do we love our children? That's a good question. That is a good question. <laughs> you can you can whack him later, Isabel, and he'll still love you. That's the great thing. It's so important to know that the father's love is not a reaction, a response to anything, um, but he has always loved the son. And but, I mean, just so imagine this, you know, Jesus sort of comes and brings a bunch of flowers to Father God and Father God goes, ah, oh, great, this is before creation, so he'd have to create the flowers. Maybe that's why he did it, to create the flowers, to bring to God, and, and Father God says, oh, I love you now more. No, it doesn't work like that. In the Godhead, Father has always loved the Son eternally because for no other reason other than he loves. It's not a reaction, it's not a response. And that is the foundation and the, the, from where we get the idea that God is love. 
You know, you will read in the scriptures, it says, God is love. Well, how can God be love? Well, really, only if there's Trinity can God be love. Because otherwise, if God was love without Trinity, we would just have an idea. There is God is love. It's kind of a concept. It's a, it's a feeling. It's a thing. But actually, God is love is put into, uh, has personality, has a reality when we realise that God is three persons in one God. And so, if you want, um, some of us are scientists. What's a universe? Can somebody tell me what a universal constant is? Daniel, what, what does that mean? What is a universal? Number that is, um, holds true forever. Okay. It's always true. So, the speed of light. Speed of light, I was going to ask you. Sure. Just fixed. Okay. Change, nothing can do to it. Same okay, so the speed of light is a, is a speed that doesn't change, it's just a constant anywhere in the, in the universe, so we're led to believe. But the, the original universal constant is God is love. Okay, so there you go. Forget EMC, E equals MC squared, or all this stuff here, I don't understand that really. But God is love is the original universal constant. Wherever you are, God is love. And his love is outward because his love is for the sun. It's not just kept inward. It's, it's an outward love and it is unchanging and unconditional and eternal. Father loved the son before the creation of the world. And the way God speaks to this, if you, if you remember when Jesus is baptised and he comes out of the water, what do we hear from heaven? God says, this is my son. Whom I'm well pleased. Who I? Love. Love. Yeah. So it's like he, he is just reminding us that this, that, that didn't just start there, by the way. God's not just sort of saying that, you know. But it, he's reminding his son that I'm well pleased with you and I love you. And that love is poured out on Jesus and affirmed of Jesus. So that's a fatherly thing to do. That's again, again where God is shown to be more a father than a ruler. He loves to affirm his son in his love. And now, through Jesus, those who come and put their trust in Jesus, here's the thing the Bible teaches, is that the love of the Father spills out into those who follow Christ. And so anyone who's baptised, and I try and remember to say this every time we baptise someone, is that those same words that God spoke to Jesus when he was baptised are spoken to us. This is my son or daughter whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. And what kind of love is this that, that God has for us? Is it a different type of love that he has for Jesus the son or is it the same type of love? I'd like to sort of suggest to you that actually God just has one type of love. It's called love and it's love. And so his love for us is unchanging. It's not a reaction. It's unconditional. If you read in Romans, it says this, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the kind of love that's kind of love. Yeah? Whether you bring a bunch of flowers or not, whether you make tuna salad or not, it's, it's unchanging. This means it doesn't matter how far you stray, what you've done, how many prayers you've prayed, how many prayers you haven't prayed, how many good things you've done, how many bad things you've done, how much of the Bible you've read, how much of the Bible you haven't read. 
no matter whether you rate yourself, and some people do this, well, at least I'm not as bad as Hitler, or, but am I as good as Mother Teresa? You know, we have, you know, where do you fit? No, it doesn't really matter. God's love is constant. It's a universal constant. His, what's one of the refrains of the Bible? His love endures forever. We sing it a lot. His love endures forever. They've been singing that for a long time. Because his love endures forever. It's an unchanging universal constant. It doesn't depend on anything else. It's not a reaction, not a response. And I think we say, yeah, I know that. And then when we do something, or we don't do something, depending on what the thing is, we think, oh, God's not going to be very pleased about it. He doesn't love me anymore. And we go and hide under a rock somewhere, metaphorically, and just beat ourselves up and think, God doesn't love me anymore. Or we start in that place and we just think, oh, well, maybe God loves Richard a little bit more because he's got a good shirt and he can stand at the front. Thank you. And, um, you know, so maybe, you know, Richard's more loved and so he's doing his job. Or maybe Daniel's a little bit more loved because he's able to do cap and, and he's, he's our debt centre manager, so he's loved a little bit more or this kind of thing. Hmm, I don't know where you're getting that idea from. We're getting this idea that God's love is constant and it, is it a reaction to my shirt? No. Is it a reaction to Daniel's obedience to be the captain of the mentor here? No. It's just because he loves. It's not a reaction. It is his love. It's pure. And he's been a father and he's loved like a father from the very beginning. And so we really need to just, if, if you do a, a self self-analysis sometimes if you start to feel am I good enough or am I right enough or am I Christian enough you're asking the wrong questions if you're asking about whether God loves me or not okay now that's not to say that the Father wants to encourage us the Father wants to discipline us the Father wants to lead us in a right life yes he does but does his love change? no you know when my children are good I love them when they're naughty I love them when they're good, I praise them. When they're naughty, I tell them off. But I still love them in all those situations. Just reminding you of these things. Yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. God the Father loves you. He loves as a father unconditionally. Romans 5, verse 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so the problem really isn't, does God the Father love us? It's more really, will we accept his love through Jesus, his Son? Will we choose to enter into that love of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit? To respond to that love by loving him back? You see, Jesus said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. Those are the two great commands. Why are they the two great commands? I think it's because it's the, the two things that bring us to be most like God. Because God is love. And so Jesus is saying, I'm calling you. Will you accept this call to love God and love your neighbours as yourself? I'm calling you to be like the Trinity. And if you want to know the fullness of the Father's love, accept and receive the Son. Because if you accept the Son, then you accept the Father's love and you will return the Father's love. It's in Jesus the Son that we'll hear, truly hear that affirmation. 
Because we'll always be wondering if we're not in that in the sun. But if we're in the sun, if we're following Jesus, we will know that affirmation. This is my child, whom I'm well pleased with, whom I love. Isn't that really what a, a father wants to do? They want to affirm the child. They want the, the father wants to the child to know you are loved, and 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 to receive the love back, not for their own need, but because that's just how love works, isn't it? And so, just want to say to you, you know, if you if you don't know that, and I, I encourage you to 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 come into Christ, come and, and follow Christ, come into to being a baptised believer in Jesus and know that in him you will know the Father's love. And if you have been baptised, remind yourself daily, I am loved by the Father. That's why we sang that song today. He's a good, good Father. That's who he is and I am loved by him. That's who I am. It's okay to say that. It's alright to say that. In fact, it's really good to encourage one another in that. going to wrap up in a second but just want to just recap this so in the beginning was the relationship that's what trinity really is all about in the beginning was the relationship at the heart of that relationship is father and son and at the heart of that is an unconditional unchanging love that is outward that god wants to share with us through jesus and so god as father is good news to us and so I want to just read to you now. Um, you know, the early church, they, they were trying to work out all this, how all this worked and so that, that some of the letters are written and you can hear them just sort of, the cogs whirring as these people are writing this stuff down. And so I'm going to read you now a bit from 1 John, which um, is later on in the Bible. You can just maybe sit and listen to this and just let it sink in and, and appreciate this in, in the context of God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit and God is relationship and God is love and how this um, impacts us because at the end of the day we want to be growing in that likeness, don't we? We want to be going, growing in the image of who God has called us to be to be his children, reflecting the Father and, and I think this is really what this is getting at so let me read this to you Dear friends, let us love one another For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they live in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, 
so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they can see, cannot, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I think that reinforces... Just sort of banging it home a little bit there. It's, it's all about love there, a little bit. Um, and so as we grow in our understanding of the Trinity, I think there is a call for us to grow into the image of the Father. There's a great book that I, you'll have heard me mention several times, which is The Return of the Prodigal by Henry Nouwen. And at the end of that book, he describes the two... I might talk more about this next week, but the two sons, the one that ran away and the one that stayed, and, and he talks about the Father. But at the end he says... We are all becoming like the Father, God the Father. And how do we do that? It's growing in our love. And how do we do that? Well, we cultivate our friendships and our love for one another. We cultivate our relationships. We learn to communicate and express affirmation, love, encouragement, goodness. And we diffuse it because God is just... It's very outward, his love. So that is an encouragement. If we, As we grow in understanding of God, it will affect us and change us to be more like him and to be more like the people we're created to be. Let's pray. I think it would be a good idea to sing that song again just to remind ourselves who God is, who we are. Father God, in the beginning was the relationship and you have always been Father. We thank you so much that before you were creator, before you were ruler of this universe, you were Father. And the way you rule and the way that you create and bring life comes from a Father's heart. We pray today. Open our eyes to see you as our Father in heaven. When we pray that we would know we, we pray to a loving, gracious good father when you discipline us we would know that we are disciplined from, a, from love and goodness when you praise us we know it comes from, from love and you affirm us we know it comes from love open our eyes and our hearts to see you and, and in response let us know how to love you back through Jesus let us be in the sun and receive the affirmation of the sun and in response, know how to love you back. And as we love you, let us learn how to love one another. Let us know this unconditional, unchanging love that is, is not a response or a reaction to anything else, but it is just pure love. Let us learn to live in it and to receive it. In and through Jesus we pray. Amen.